Welcome now, the professors of pop. Welcome, everyone, to Season 2 of Professors of Pop. I'm your host, Stephanie Lachlan, and with my co-host, Jerry Gabriel. Glad to be back here for the second season. We're here to school you on all things film, television, literature, and music. This episode, we're going to be talking all about the novel, specifically our favorite book series. So without further ado, class is in session. Something happened to me. I was on my honeymoon in 1945. I distinctly heard the barman refer to us as Sassamax. I hope you didn't take offense. It only means Englishman or, or at worst, Outlander. A word to the wise, be careful after dark. The world just spun out of control. Claire? I know it doesn't make any sense. I seem to have fallen through time. I suspect you may be a spy. Lady, go! You're all right. You need not be scared of me, nor anyone else here. The Highlands are no place for a woman to be alone. You do well to remember that. Frank? You're not Frank. Claire. 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 Where are you? that you have secrets, Claire. As long as I'm with you, I hold myself bound to your word. Let's try not to get flogged or stabbed today. No promises, Okay, so without further ado, Jerry here is going to school us all on a little bit about the history of the novel. Jerry, take it away. Well, the novel as we know it is a relatively new invention. The word novel derives from the French word nouvelle, meaning new. Before the novel, plays had been the main way people had experienced stories. Two major factors led to the rise of the novel and its dominance in England during the 18th century. The first was the role of universal education and increased literacy, and the second was the improvement in reproduction with the power of the first industrial revolution. Early novels were often moralistic, didactic, and characters were often communicated through letters as seen in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Most early novels took on two forms. There were Jane Austen-type novels that dealt with class, especially with the gentry of English society and later conflicts between old and new rising bourgeois class exposing the mocking follies of class in the Victorian age and focusing on the trivial things with a comedic tone. Austen was able to highlight the problems inherent in class without directly attacking the status quo. On the other hand, Mary Shelley-type novels dealt with man's place in the world progressing in scientific knowledge, and how this knowledge, if not wielded properly, can wreak havoc in society. The end of the 19th century gave rise to science fiction novels like H.G. Wells. At the turn of the 20th century, there was more character-based writing focusing on reproducing life on the page and the realism and reflection of inner turmoil in the social consciousness of modern life. This led to early modernist fiction with a focus on the inner world of characters and new techniques like stream of consciousness influenced by cinema and cinematic style, pessimistic view of the world, 
that was impacted by the Great Wars and Depression. And this, of course, gave rise to Hemingway. This has been a brief history of fiction. So without further ado, it's my pleasure to introduce our guest this episode, my friend Chloe. I've known her for a few years in my writing group, and I thought she'd be a great um, guest for today's episode because she is actually writing her own book series. It's a spy story. It's very exciting. Chloe, why don't you say hi? Tell us a bit about yourself. Hi there. Um, yeah, so I started writing a few years ago. Um, I, I didn't know what I was going to be writing about, but somehow I started writing this, um, this spy story that takes place in Montreal and there you have it. That's, uh, that's my first book. If, uh, if you've watched the show, the Americans, then you'll really like Chloe's story because it has that same kind of vibe where they're pretending to be normal, quote unquote, normal people, but. They're actually not, right? Yeah, they're not. But uh, <laughs> and and they're in they're in Montreal too. You know, it's uh, what inspired you to write a second book. Um, I um, I really liked uh, the characters. I was um, I was beginning to imagine like side stories, and you know, like uh, what could happen after, and and it just again, you know, it just kind of like came out and there it was book number two yeah i think that's a really good point about um what is it from a reader's point of view that sucks us into these it's an interesting world building right right yeah so for me like when i was a kid i loved the babysitters club that world that they built all the stories the the friendships it's really, for me personally, it's all about really strong characters that keep you coming back for more and more, right? So just tell me a little bit from a writing perspective how you think about, like, are you thinking about the whole, like, now that you've gone into the second book, are you thinking more about the world building that you're going to create that could launch perhaps even more books after that? Um, I I'd say that in my case, anyway, it, it's more character driven in the sense that I don't think of the world they will visit or evolve into. It's more the character themselves. And if they happen to go someplace, then they go to that place. But, so, oh, yeah. this story is going to go as long as the character tells you. Exactly. That, and, it. you know, when the character is finished uh, doing what they have to do, and that will be the end of the, se- of the series. Do you have, why don't you talk about now about some of your favorite book series that you've read? Yeah, that was a hard, hard thing to do because I don't have one favorite series. I have a few favorite more than, series. More than welcome to share several for sure. Oh, of course. I mean, you know, who has Absolutely. only one favorite series? I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's such a hard thing to do to choose just one. And um, thinking back on like all those books, you know, when I was... Like, I, I started thinking back on those days when I was in primary school, and you mentioned, you know, the, the, the books, that that series that you just said. Yeah. What was it again? You the said, Babysitter's the Club. Babysitter's Club, of course. That was my obsession from about the ages of 9 to 13, you know? Yeah. So, right about that time, I was uh, reading something way... <laughs> Everyone, <laughs> everyone has that series from when they were a kid that really. Oh, yeah, but, but mine was yeah. not as sexy or interesting. Um, <laughs> it was uh, it was like a, a series of books in our school's library, and uh, I don't know if you've heard of the Famous Five, but um, written by Enid Blyton, this uh, 
this woman uh, in Great Britain that, you know, she wrote those books in the 1940s. So they're very uh, old fashioned in a way. Yeah. But what got me going was this one character. Um, her name is, um, in, in the English version anyway, her name is, is George for Georgina. And she's very brave and she runs and she's like very, um, I, you know, I wanted to be her. I, I wanted to be George. And that's why it, at that age for me it was such a, such an important series. Um, I think I understand that feeling. I think that was for me when I was a kid, it was like kind of the Hardy Boys. Like I wanted to be the Hardy Boys. I'm like, uh, how do I find crime and solve it and do things? There's no crime around me and there's no like solving issues. So I just, that would read on. And uh, yeah, there was some, uh, like that was a good series. I really enjoyed that series. Did you read any Nancy Drew at all? I didn't know. I have definitely seen a lot of movie versions of Nancy Drew, but that Nancy Drew... The books, like I said, I was much more a babysitter's club gal. But I think that, um, yeah, when we're kids, that's when we first get addicted. Because there's always, everyone I know has a series. Whether it was like the R.L. Stein Goosebumps books, the Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew. What was yours? <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> I have not this, read well, it. But I mean, it, it's because it's such a such an odd choice, actually. The no, but I love it. I love discovering new <laughs> random. The famous uh, five. Oh, famous five. Check it out. Think about it. Um, was there like some appeal to like what was the specific? You mentioned some of the, like how you wanted it to be, but was there some appeal to like like. Um, reading serialized books like i don't know for me like it was like escaping like i don't know i i hated i hated elementary school i think and it was like an escape i don't know how you guys felt about that like i find like when serialized books they never end they just keep going and it's just like this constant continuity with your characters you know that you don't get with other types of like books or novels yeah, so as an adult my choice for my favorite book series is uh the outlander series by Diana Gabaldon. I've talked about this on the podcast before, our adaptation episode. Um, I love that world so much because not only is it, like, as we said, strong characters, which is crucial for an interest in, a, you know, several books as a, for a reader, but also because she has she, so much world building. Like, so she has the main series, which she keeps saying, okay, this next book is going to be the last one. And then, it, of course, it isn't. And then she also has a spinoff series with one of the like main secondary characters. And then she also often writes collections of short stories for you know highlighting other people in the world that she might not focus on in her main novels. So this is something that I just keep getting more. I mean, perhaps I'll get sick of it eventually, but she's just such a fascinating writer. And it's such a fun blend of... It's a fantasy, and it's also a romance, and it's also historical. You know, I, I love historical fiction, so when you throw all of those things together, she's got me hooked for life, I think, man. You know, in a way that some of the more classical series haven't. Like, I tried to read Lord of the Rings, but I have to admit, uh, I couldn't do it. I know a lot of people are going to trash me online for that, but I'll just say it. I, I couldn't even get through the first one. Really? That's uh, strange. I mean, I read, uh, I read, uh, was it the, uh, George R. R. Martin's uh, Game of Thrones? Of course. And it's kind of frustrating because it's like, 
it never ends. When's the next book coming out? Never. Oh no! It's like I know. the yeah. like the Wheel of Time people. They probably you know it's a series of books that like, that Robert Jordan died at the before they came out for the last few. And so like people would come. I was working at I used to work at Indigo. And people would come and they would ask about that book, and they'd be like, a running joke. It says like available like next month, and like then the next month came and they would move to the next month. <laughs> It was like an asymptote. Who never, they never be able to reach it. It was impossible. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's at least it's. I like what I'm saying is Lord of the Rings. At least it's a complete series. Like it's over. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But but series, you know, those are traditional series. You know, with a book and then another book and then it's it's all like going pretty much on a straight line, right? But I was also thinking about this author. You know, everybody knows Elmore Leonard, right? Right. Yes. And. He never wrote like series per se, but I read like, should I say almost all of his books or close to all of his books? And what he does is this, um, this kind of like using minor characters from one book and then making them into central characters for another book. And then all these kind of like you're jumping from one story to the other, you know, one character interacting with other characters from this previous novel. So it's not a series per se, but it's all like a, a chain of people kind of knowing each other. And so is it a series? Can you call that a series? Yeah. No, I've, I think about that. They Right now they do that a lot. Uh, like uh, think about the White Lotus, the, the show where yeah. it's the similar theme. And then sometime there's characters that show up from one story to another. So it's like, is it the same series? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard sometimes, but I think I think you could say yes because it might not be a series, but it's if it's still in the same world, yeah. then of, yeah. Uh, I think the first book that I saw kind of do that was uh, um, Dubliners, because in Dubliners, like seem like they're all independent short stories, yeah. but they're really going on at the same time, and then True. you start seeing other characters from other stories yeah, yeah, in yeah, the yeah, thing. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it was a great book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was. A- fantastic book so it's it's like a world with like and, and you feel that you know when you're reading one story yeah. there's something else happening and you know another part of this world that will be told in another book but right you know. yeah um so my 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 book that i decided to choose is like uh it's a it's i don't know it's a it's a very big uh, canadian uh science fiction writer robert sawyer he's an like a, i believe he's an anthropologist and he wrote a book called uh called uh hominid and it's the whole series is called the Neanderthal par, uh, Parallax. I and mean, there's like three different ones. There's like humans, there's Hamid, and there's a third book, uh, which is like the final book. And then basically what's cool about it is he tells a good, he tells an interesting story over the arc that what he does, what he does is he kind of creates like these two parallel universes. And then he shows like, what's going on on like the earth universe. And then there's another universe where we split from the Neanderthals, but the Neanderthals became the dominant species instead of the humans. And so in that world, you see like they have achieved like universal peace and they are like way more advanced. And he's always doing that. The Robert Sawyer is always like messing with people and like flipping things. He wrote a book called Calculating God where these aliens come down and are like, we want to talk to like a anthropologist. We want to talk to a paleontologist. Um, and they go to like meet a paleontologist. Is like, they're like, oh, we're talking. It's like, so 
It was like, why did you come to the earth? It's like, oh, we're trying to find God. And it's like, you're an advanced like species. You're obsessed with God. And like the aliens believe in God, but the humans don't. So he's always doing that. He's doing reversal. And this, he does a reversal. But he shows this perfect society, but they also have like crazy law and order. And they're kind of like a draconian, like authoritarian society, but they have achieved like universal peace. Like in their society, if you commit, if even if you're in a room and someone disappears, you're considered a murderer. And then what they do is they uh, make sure that you don't reproduce ever again. They just take you out of the gene pool. Wow. What is it about that series that keeps you coming back? Uh, it's what it just, it's fun. It's just like a fun series and it's perfect example of like the Robert Sawyer reversal, where it's just like, we're like, he shows how, how uh, the Anathos were actually built to be more intelligent than humans. And we, the only reason that we defeated them is that we were better at war, basically. More vicious. More, we were more vicious. Right. So we have this view of Neanderthals being stupid, which is like completely they were wrong. Kinder and nicer. Yeah, <laughs> and they paid for it with their blood. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Has anyone ever um, started a book series and then realized, nope, not for me, I'm done? I, no, because no? you know, after maybe a couple of chapters, uh, first book, you yeah. kind of know, right? Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, it can happen when you're watching TV, but reading a book series, ah, not it, so sure. It's true. When you're watching a TV show, I definitely feel like I'm willing to put in, because it's such a passive experience, I'm willing to maybe put in a little bit more time yeah. getting into it. And then if it doesn't work out, yeah, fine, I'll stop. But a book, yeah, I agree. It's You're making quite a commitment to read a book. You got to sit your... Yeah. You're getting it, you know, you're using your imagination. I haven't had like a stop. I haven't stopped at a series, but I've been like reading as like, I'm reading Dune like really slowly. Like I just started reading Dune Messiah. I read Dune like, like 20 years ago. Yeah. Like, so I'm like, <laughs> like how long is this series going to take me by the time I get to like the fifth book? I'm going to be dead or like close to death. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess I was I was saying how it's true that it's I give up on books easier quicker than shows because reading a book is a certain commitment like I said it's viewing versus reading you know there's tons of writing on this but when you're uh, watching something it's a more passive experience when you're reading something you yeah. you get invested and uh -huh. I feel like it's why the book fan, like when you're comparing, especially Game of Thrones is a perfect example. When you're comparing the book fans to the TV fans, book fans are just way more intense, you know, because they have given yeah. 10, 20 years of their life to these the series. Like, you know, on Diana Gabaldon's Facebook page, I see these women all the time writing comments in her posts like... I've been waiting five years for your new book. I'm dying of cancer. Give it to me now. <laughs> These people are intense. And they all they ever do is complain about how the TV show does not live up to her masterful work, which in many respects, I, I agree. The books are better. Yes, that's the, that's yeah. the Outlanders, the series where like, I, the books are better, but they also, book readers, they don't think about the reality behind TV making sometimes. 
They just don't realize it's sometimes it's impossible to adapt, which is what makes books so special. Sometimes there's just those things that can't be translated. Yeah, I don't know why that's so hard to understand. You can't possibly translate a book into they're just two different processes of like one's one is way more showing than telling. And if you want more information, you go to a book because that's where the information is located. But also, you know, book, I mean, like you said, you know, those first pages, if you if your brain doesn't engage, yeah, exactly. that's it. You know, you yeah. just give up, right? Yeah, that's why they, that's why the opening uh, chapter is so important. Like, Absolutely. it's got to grab you. Like, that's the first rule in, in writing. It's like, what is it? If it's got to grab you in the first five pages, then you're, you're dead. Your brain it, it's hard. Yeah, it, it's hard. Yeah. 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 Even the, even like the opening lines and the first paragraphs could be really important. It could like lead to someone keep reading, keep reading on or not reading on. If so. I can just uh, praise Chloe's writing for a second. She, her first novel has a very intru- like grabbing and intro so yeah. you get hooked immediately well that's because of your comments remember <laughs> steph and all the others kind of like giving me that's good it's your... good to have uh comments and feedback and beta readers and stuff like that absolutely uh, yeah I it's how people what? forget that the artistic process involves more than just the uh, the artist there's oh, like three things going on you, three things writing yeah. can be such a like a lonely experience. I mean, you, yeah. you're, you're you're kind of like sitting alone, you know, in relative quiet, and hopefully, and you're trying to write something interesting. So feedback from like a group of friends or like a writing group or anything is, is crucial because if not, you're kind of losing touch with re- reality. Almost, you're just uh, you know yeah. isolated, lost in some cupboard or some closet somewhere, just going crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I understand that. It's like you're on the you're in the ivory tower, writing something, or you're you have to go down to get, oh, gather information. It, it, but it's more a basement yourself. than an ivory tower. Yeah, really. it's definitely it's more of a like basement. Really deep somewhere, lost like in, yeah. in darkness. That's the thing for like when I do some when I do writing, I feel like I don't know what happens. I go into like a trance or something, and then like kind of don't know i'm not aware of what's going on anymore around me and like that's the that's the whole point i guess but it's like at some point you're like how long have i been writing for it could be like you like don't realize you've been writing for like five hours hours five hours i know it's crazy you lose like uh. completely um which where should we go from here is is there any other book series that would be on your Top five list or whatever, Jerry. Uh, yeah, top five, uh, definitely uh, the three, the trilogy for uh, Neuromancer by uh, uh, William Gibson. So it's like Mona Lisa Overdrive, and the third one. Um, I can't think of the top of my head. Uh, I also like. Uh, I don't think of the series. I was just thrown off. I didn't think of a top five of series. Oh, this. you do not have to give five. Right. Just wondering if there's anything else. I haven't even thought of five series like that I've read, like I've read like maybe like three, four. No, I've read a lot in the series actually. You know, let me think. Can I take two seconds? To think of course. Yeah. I think before, well, how about just recommendations? That I like? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you know, before I really got into outlander, the last book series, I probably 
read all the way through was Harry Potter, but I don't think I should recommend that to an audience anymore, right? Because yeah. that's such a touchy, ugh, I don't, we're not going to even go there, but... Uh, yeah. Did anyone read the Robert Langdon series, like uh, Da Vinci Code and like Inferno? Uh, uh, right. yeah, sure. I, yeah. Yeah. That's good trash reading, you know? Yes. Like, yeah. just like total tra- trash reading. <laughs> just, just like trash tv or trash movies there are absolutely trash books well, as well no no i you know, i know what those books are totally based on page, page turning it's like and then i was about to and you have to turn the page to find out what he was about it's if you read his style it's totally all but it's all page turning <laughs> i've never seen anything like that before i'm like wow this guy likes the page turner I guess it's called a patron, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like he's it's like he's racing through the book. He's got to get to the end somehow. Oh, and oh, there's like a oh, there's, yeah, the, the and then all of a sudden racing. there's like a codex to figure out. <laughs> yeah, everybody's racing. The characters racing. Oh, you know, the readers racing. Yeah. The writers racing. It's a book well. about symbolism, <laughs> literally. Yeah. So, <laughs> what about the symbolism of running then? Yeah. <laughs> No, but, you know, there's got to be that latest beach novel for people, right? And some people... I don't think I've ever read, like, a full series of books at the beach. Like, I just want to read, like, a one novel and I'm out, kind of. Yeah, yeah. well, you know... Well, I guess it depends how long you're at the beach, right? Yeah. yeah no, no, if you're at the beach, just one book. week, it's just one book is enough. But yeah. say, say you were to live there for a while. I live on the beach, yeah. Uh-huh. You can, well, if you live on the beach, you got to bring, like piles of novels there you go (laughs) (laughs) oh boy desert desert island books eh anyone has anyone read the uh, sherlock holmes series i just bought that actually at the coles they had like you know the they have classic books for really cheap so can i say a word about the old classics though yeah because I, i have to mention John Le Carré, because obviously, you oh, know, I, yeah. I, I write novel stories, so yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. But, I mean, the, the, the trilogy, like Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spies, followed by Honorable Schoolboy, and then Smiley People, that to me is like, in the genre, which is, you know, spy novels, it's, it's, it's corny, really super corny to say that, but I think it's like almost perfect, those three books. Oh, I, I love John Le Carré books. Yeah. The Carla trilogy. Anyway, whatever. I had to mention it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, those those books are great, and I've never seen a movie version. Like, an, I've never seen an adaptation of his stuff that I didn't love too. I'm trying to think of uh, the last movie I saw that John Le Carre. Uh, maybe the Constant Gardener. Oh yes, yes. Yeah. that's yeah. probably it. That was great, wasn't it? That, yeah, that book is great. The series is good too. Yeah. And then uh, one of the last ones that he worked on, it was with Florence Pugh, um, Little Drummer Girl. That was that was based on. Sorry? We should wrap it up soon. Oh, yeah. yeah no, we're we just. talked like almost 38 minutes. Yeah, yeah. The intros and No, yeah. No worries. Yeah. We, okay. Um, so. Oh, do the closing part. Yes. No, no, do, no. The, do the. Uh, yes. As, okay, hold stuff. on. Hold, yeah, yeah. Hold on. So as we're wrapping up here, uh, Chloe, please tell everyone where they can go buy your book. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say that you have to buy it on Amazon. <laughs> Nothing embarrassing about that. Uh, What's the title? What are they searching for? The book is called The Decoy, and the next book will be called A Valuable Asset. 
but it will only be available probably next summer, maybe July or August. So you can get the decoy now in preparation for the sequel coming out soon. Hey, and uh, as we're wrapping up here, your homework for this episode is you have to read the entire Outlander series. You have to read the entire, all the books by Jean Le Carré. Lord of the Rings, the yeah. whole thing, and The Hobbits. Nope, no thanks. And don't forget the famous five. <laughs> Absolutely, the famous five. <laughs> if you want five. to go back in time and, you know. Um, don't forget to follow us on social media. We are 41 Productions. We do the professors of pop. We produce it ourselves. Okay. If you listen to this podcast on a streaming service, please check out our website, professorsofpop.com. Yes, yes. And uh, if we're wrapping up, I just first want to say thank you, Chloe, so much for being our guest tonight. And don't forget to check us out on all the social media. Don't forget to check out our 41 Productions page where you can see things like season one of this podcast and also our short film, The Caretaker. Uh, Jerry, do you have anything to add? As Yes. If you want to send any mail to us, please send us to 41productionfilms at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. Class is dismissed. Welcome now, the professors of pop. Of Pop is a 41 production podcast produced by Stephanie Laughlin and edited by Stephanie Laughlin.